0: Well, good morning, Westgate. I'm so excited to be here with you to worship the Lord and uh, to spend time in his word with you this morning. Um, great job, Gabriel. It's not easy uh, reading scripture in front of a camera when you know it's going to be played out in front of everybody, in front of the whole church, and you did a great job. Um, reading that. Um, a couple of announcements before we dig in. Um, we have some of these you're invited carts out in the atrium at the communications desk. If you would like to take these and hand them out as trick-or-treaters come up to your door, you know, maybe the trickers, you can be like, hey, you need Jesus. The treaters, you can give them the treat, you know, and nod, not really, but we have these for you um, if you would like to, uh, to hand those out to those around um, you. Uh, another announcement we have um, is that of the fall? If you served in any capacity in the fall festival, would you just stand up? We want to honor you guys. If you did anything at all, go ahead, stand up and let's give a round of applause. So last Sunday, we had over a thousand plus people here on our campus in a span of two hours. And to give you some numbers to kind of help make that realize how much it is, our poor snow cone machine made 750 snow cones some odd. And if you do the math, that's about six per minute. And so that snow cold machine, it's not made to do six per minute. And so it was burning up, you know. Like, and so we had a great time last Sunday. And we just want to honor you guys who helped us serve because we literally could not do it without you. Um, and so we had a, a great time last Sunday. So we're in First Timothy, um, chapters five, uh, verses seventeen through twenty-five. If you want to begin turning there. I mean, so we all probably have those pastors or those elders, those leaders of the church that we could probably look to and say, yeah, they probably had an impact on me or they did have an impact on my life. And so when I was thinking about this this week, I began to think about two individuals in particular that had an impact in my life. The first one, his name is Brother Bob. I actually don't even remember his last name because I was way back in fifth and sixth grade. And, you know, you don't pay attention to things like that. I just knew him as Brother Bob you know, and what we would do on Wednesday nights is he would do Bible drill. Does anybody Has anybody done Bible drill in here? Yeah, there's a few of y'all out there. So we did Bible drill on Wednesday nights. It was in between the Wednesday night dinner and then Awana that we did after. And what he would do is he would bribe us with quarters. Um, and so we would do Bible drill, and you know, you're standing there with your Bible, and they say, Psalm 51, and you turn there as fast as you can and point at it. And, you know, you got it. Yeah, I got there first. I get a quarter. <laughs> you know, like, and then you recite the scripture or whatever. So. So eventually there was, there was about four or five of us in the fourth or fifth and sixth graders that would do this, and we would end up each having enough quarters to then go to the soda machine to get a soda, to get all hyped up for Iwana, you know, <laughs> like, like, like that, that's what Brother Bob did, but, but I remember that to this day, and the impact that that had on me as a young man with the head pastor of the church, that he would take a time out of his Wednesday to come and spend time with us doing Bible drill, making sure we're hyped up for Iwana, you, you know, hand them back over to the Awana workers, you know. And so, um, and so I remember that, and the impact that that has on me. I can still feel it today. The importance of Scripture. The importance of memorizing scripture and just those values that were instilled. Another story I remember, this was a youth pastor I had named Brad Branham. He was my youth pastor when I was in high school. Um, And he took us paintballing. That's his first mistake. Um, And so what happened is, is one of the games, it ended up being me and my brother. And we had played a lot of paintball at this time against him. So it was two versus one. And my brother and I remember, you know, we're using all the little tactics like my brother's shooting and then I move up and get closer and then I shoot and then he gets up and gets closer. You know, we, we get him in this crossfire, and he ended up with probably about 20 bruises all over his body. And that is why to this day I will say, youth group, I'm not taking you on paintballing because I'll be the youth pastor in that story. But I remember the love that Brad had for us and the time that he would take us to paintball. He took us to all kinds of stuff to do. He spent time teaching us his word, telling us the gospel over and over again, and that's what I remember from him was the love that he had for us, and then the consistent truth that he taught us over and over and over again. And so these are are pastors, these are elders that had an impact on my life, and I bet you if you sit there and think about it, you can probably think of one or two in your life that has had an impact. And so let's turn to our Scripture here um, in 1 Timothy 5, chapter 17. And I'm just going to begin reading verse 17, it says, the elders who lead well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. So it begins with the elders. Says, and that is really kind of a term that means like, like pastor or um, overseer or shepherd, or it could mean that really the men that God has placed in a church to lead the church in the context that they are in. In our context here at Westgate, Memorial Baptist Church, you would probably look to Raymond and Pastor Jeff, right? So those would be our elders. Those would be the men who are, have been placed to lead the church. Now, in some churches today, um, as Baptists, they're moving towards like elder councils. You probably heard of this before in some other churches, but really that, that's kind of the same thing. These are just men that the church has has laid hands on, they've prayed over, they've nominated them, they've voted them in to be an elder, a part of this elder council, and that elder council helps the head pastor lead the church in the context that they are in. And so some churches um, within the Southern Baptists are kind of moving that direction, and that's totally fine. You know, you see that within scripture. But here in our context, here at Westgate Memorial Baptist Church, we would probably point to Raymond, point to Jeff. Those are the elders that are leading our church. And so that's who we're going to kind of think about when we see this term, the elders. And then he moves on in verse 17, he says, the elders who lead well are to be considered worthy of double honor especially those who are preaching and teaching and so what we're going to see here is he gives kind of a caveat it's not just the elders it's those who lead well and I think we could say pretty confidently and we can say this because they're not here right that, that, that our elders that we have they lead well here at Westgate. One of the stories that, that I always kind of tell when I'm traveling around since I've moved here down into Beaumont uh, people ask me, they'll be like, hey, how's the church down in, in Beaumont? And I'm like, hey, it's going well. Um, they haven't thrown me out yet, you know, <laughs> you know, so we're doing good. We're doing great, you know. Um, and anyways, but one of the things that I, that I tell them, um, that I tell them is that you can just tell this church has been led well for decades, it seems. And so when you look at organizations, you can kind of see, you know, you're looking at different churches. We did this when we were traveling um, to Fort Worth when I was in seminary there, and you're kind of visiting different churches. You see red flags, right? You hear the red flags. Well, I also like to talk about the green flags. You know, those things that you point out and you say, hey, that's really good. That's well. Well, that's something that first stood out to me as a major green flag for Westgate Memorial Baptist Church is how well you have been led how well the elders of this church have led Raymond for 25 years and pastors before that. In a little bit, we're going to go through the pastors um, at Westgate and see how they have all led well. And so Westgate has been led well, and so because of this, they are worthy of double Honor. Well, how do we give them double honor? I'm glad you asked. Paul tells us here in the next few verses. So let's keep going. Um, so he says in verses eighteen through nineteen, let's read those real quick. It says, For the scripture says you shall not muzzle the ox while it is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not accept an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. So the first way that we can give honor, we can give double honor to those who lead well, is by making sure that that they're taking care of monetarily. So what he gives, is he gives us two uh, scripture quotes. He says from Deuteronomy 25.4, he says, you shall not muzzle the ox while it's threshing. What this is, is this is an Old Testament law where they would say, hey, while, while the beast of burden, while the ox is working in the fields, it is threshing, uh, he, you are not to muzzle him to where he cannot partake of what is being threshed? What is being worked on? He is be, to be able to take that, and that's just a picture of what we are to do to the elders who are leading the church. We're not to muzzle them and say, "Hey, thanks for doing all this work, but we're not going to take care of you." <laughs> we're not supposed to do that. And then he gives us another example where he says, "The laborer is worthy of his wages," and that's from Luke 10:7. And we see this is another theme throughout Scripture that hey, if somebody's working for something, they are worthy of the wages that they did to accomplish that. And the same is said for our elders, those who lead the church, we are to take care of them monetarily. We are to do the best we are able to do in the context of our church to take care of them. That doesn't mean that that you can't have a bivocational pastor, you know. You do as well as your church is able to do to take care of these men of God as they lead the church. And so then he goes on and gives another example of a way that we're able to give honor in verse 19. He says, do not accept an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. So he gives this idea, and, and kind of to paint this picture, um, one example I have from my life is, is that any time that God is moving, that God is working amidst a church or, or you know, on a mission trip or whatever you're doing, you're most likely going to receive some kind of pushback. What I mean by that is, is the world doesn't like it. Sin doesn't like it. The enemy doesn't like it when God is moving and God's mission is being accomplished. One example from my life is that of when I went on the mission field um, to the Philippines for a summer in college and the first two and a half weeks of that mission trip, man, we're walking, we're rocking, we're rolling, like, like we're doing Bible studies. We, we went there to play basketball and then to do Bible studies on the side Well, we ended up having so many bible studies that we couldn't even play basketball and we were all kind of sad i know peter you're like man what kind of mission trip is that (laughs) you know right right and so so we uh um we we had so many bible studies so we're rocking we're rolling we're telling people about jesus people are coming to know the lord we even had a few baptisms that we were doing with the church that around there and so god is moving God is rolling. And then about two and a half weeks in, three weeks in, I remember walking up to this house. And we walked up to the house. uh, We knocked on the door. You know, we said our spiel. Like, hey, he opened the door. I remember the scowl he had on his face. He's like, what are these people doing here? You know, (laughs) that's what most of us do here, right? When somebody walks up to the door, what are you doing here? You know, well, over there, their culture was very open and accepting. When you had a visitor come, you welcomed them into your house. You you fed them snacks. Um, I remember all of the little cups of coffee you had to drink that they would give me. And so, uh, and so then we would use that as an advantage to say, "Hey, we're here. We're followers of Jesus. We want to tell you about Jesus and do a Bible study." Well, this guy was the first guy that said no. He opened the door, kind of heard a little bit what I wanted to say, and he slammed the door in our face. And then he said some things in his language that I'm not allowed to repeat. (laughs) You know, like I asked my translators we're walking away. What he's saying, he said you don't want to know <laughs> you know you know you know and I was like okay you know we're walking away and I kind of got a little bummed I was like hey like we were rocking we were rolling like we had things going for us you know like what's going on and my team leader in his wisdom says hey man that means we're doing something right that means that, that God is moving, and the world doesn't like that. There's going to be some pushback, and we didn't even, it wasn't even that bad. Sure, okay, man, we'll move to the next house, you know? But a lot of times when the man of God in a church is moving, and God is working through him to lead the church in his context, the elders are working, and the Lord is moving, a lot of times you'll have pushback. And that comes in different ways. And one of those ways I think that happens is right here. It says do not accept an accusation. Accusations can get thrown. Baseless accusations that has one person because they didn't like this or they didn't like that or they're mad about this or they're jealous about this or that. And one way that we can honor our elders is by not giving sense, not giving in to those baseless accusations, not accepting those accusations unless there are two or three witnesses. So that's another way that we as a church can honor our elders by protecting them from these baseless accusations. But that doesn't mean that they just get a free reign to sin, right, because that could be what that sounds like. Oh, that means as long as they don't get seen by two or three witnesses, they can do whatever they want, you know? Like no, that's not what he's saying at all because we see in these next couple of verses. Let's turn to the verses 20 through 22. And he says in these verses, he says, Those who continue in sin, those elders, rebuke in the presence of all so that the rest will all be fearful of seeing sinning. I solemnly exhort you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and his chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias, doing nothing in the spirit of partiality. And then verse 22, he says, Do not lay hands upon anyone too quickly and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others. Keep yourself free from sin. So he starts all the way back up in verse 20, he says, Those who continue in sin. And that means if if you have an elder who is continuing in sin, he's unrepentantly continuing going back to these sins and he he continues doing that. And so what do you do in that situation is you don't just that's okay. It's fine. We'll be okay. We'll we'll pass this under the rug and pretend like it never happened. No. You rebuke that elder in the presence of all of everyone. And why do you do that? Well, he gives us the reason. It says so that the rest will be fearful of sinning. I think that's something that in our culture, we've kind of got wrong. A lot of times when we have a situation where this happens, we kind of hide it. We put it under the rug we, you know, we send the guy on and we don't say anything about it. And we hide it, we put it away. And what I think that that tells everyone around us is that, oh, sin's not a big deal. You know, the elder, the guy who's leading the church, his sin got just put under the rug and nothing really happened because of it, no. Sin is serious. We are not to just lightly glaze over sin. Here, he says further on in verse 21, just to make his point, he says, I solemnly exhort you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and his chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias. That means it doesn't matter who it is. It could have been a pastor who's been there 40 years. Could have been a new guy coming on the scene. No matter who it is, you are to treat them this way. With honor, but also with the expectations that they remain holy. That they don't go into unrepentant sin. They don't continue to sin. So we as a church, we need to honor our elders. But we also need to hold them to a high standard. Because they're the men that are leading the church in the ways that they're supposed to go. They're the ones leading Westgate Memorial Baptist Church in the context that we are in in Beaumont, Texas to accomplish the will of God as he would see it fit through us. And if they're sinning unrepentantly, then we need to be serious about that and rebuke them in front of the presence of all so that we are afraid of sin, right? So that we don't continue in sin, right? And that is one way that we can honor these men is by holding them accountable and holding each other accountable within that as well. And to do that without uh, partiality. Verse 22, he gives a, he gives another warning to Timothy. He says, do not lay hands upon anyone too quickly and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others. Keep yourself free from sin. And this kind of harkens back to 1 Timothy 3, 6. We, we covered this a couple of weeks ago, and it says this. It says, um, he's talking about uh, those who seek the office of an overseer. He says, and not a new convert, so that he will not become conceited and fall." to condemnation incurred by the devil and so he says be careful in placing those in leadership positions be careful in laying hands on someone and making them an elder you need to be sure that this is actually the man of God that is supposed to be in that position because if you do it too quickly and this man becomes conceited and he falls into sin you are somewhat responsible for that right? And so we need to take our time to be patient, to seek out the Lord's will whenever we're seeking elders who lead our church. So it's um, keep yourself free from sin. And then the last couple of verses, he kind of turns to kind of more personally to Timothy and gives him some wisdom that we can see here and says, do not go on drinking only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomachs and your frequent ailments. This is verse 23. Now we're into 24. It says, the sins of some people are quite evident, going before them to judgment. For others, their sins follow after. Likewise also, deeds that are good are quite evident, and those which are otherwise cannot be concealed. So that verse 23, you know, it's kind of a personal thing to Timothy where, you know, Timothy had some kind of ailment or something. He's saying, hey, drink a little wine to help with that. Um, But verse 24, and 25 is kind of where I want to focus, where he says, hey, the sins of some people are quite evident, and going before them to judgment. For others, their sins follow after. My dad used to tell me a saying that still sticks to me this day, and it was always when we messed up. I know, shocking, Stephen Steven messed up. Um, anyways, but he says in verse 24, um, and with that, what my dad said, he said, um, your sins will find you out, either in this life or the next. And I think that's kind of the kernel of the truth that, that um, Paul is trying to tell him. He's like, hey, other people, the people who are sinning, like like some of them will be evident before all, but some of them they're going to be made evident in the next life. Hey, and then he says the good deeds, hey, some of them the good deeds are going to be evident before all, but some of them are going to be seen in the next life. Your sins will find you out and so he gives those personal truths to Timothy as he tries to pastor this church um, in Ephesus and so that's our scripture for the day so what does this mean for us today what does this mean for Westgate Memorial Baptist Church all these years later when talking about these truths that we saw and I think number one we need to honor the elders of our church We need to be sure that we honor them well. And this means monetarily. We need to take care of them monetarily. And this is something I think Westgate does very well. They take care of their pastors in as many ways as they possibly can. And that is well done. Um, But we also need to honor them in another way. And that's by listening to the calling that is placed on their life. As they try to lead this church in the direction that God lays on their heart, we need to listen and follow we don't need to be apathetic on the side and say, oh, that's cool. That's for you, pastor. That's for you to do. No, we need to be after them, following in their footsteps, following them as they tried to lead Westgate Memorial Baptist Church in the way that God has told them to do. We need to be sure to be right there, lockstep with them and, um, in the ways that the Lord has told them to go. Let's support them in that, following wholeheartedly in their leadership and their calling. We need to do that. That is a way that we can honor the position that they've been placed. And These are the men that God has placed here to lead us. Let's follow them. Another way I think we need to do today is we need to be thankful for the elders in our lives that have led well. Here at Westgate Memorial Baptist Church, um, the pastors that have led in this church since its founding, we have Gail Hogue from 1969 to 1970. He had the monumental of bringing two different churches with two different ideas, two different ways of doing things together. You had Westgate, you had Memorial. He brings them together, and it's still existing today. We're in it. (laughs) You know, know, that's that's incredible. Um, Two struggling churches brought together, and the Lord blessed that and brought the church back. Um, Ray Blundell, from 1970 to 1973, he pastored the church. He came home from the mission field and pastored for a number of years while his son was getting attention. He pastored well. He led well during his time here. You have Ray Morgan, a beloved pastor of Westgate, and Lane Elzie's grandfather, I believe, um, right? Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> okay, making sure, right? Uh, beloved pastor of Westgate, he led well for the years that he was here until his death. You have Bob Bateman from 1983 to 1997, beloved pastor that helped build the sanctuary we're in and the children's wing, had the vision for the church that would grow it, and he led well during the time that he was here. Then you have our beloved pastor Raymond McHenry from 1998 till now, 25 plus years in which he has led well. And is worthy of dumb honor. He's worthy of the honor that we are to give him. It's kind of funny, right, that, that this would be the passage we would come to when Raymond and Jeff were out of town. This was planned months ago, right? <laughs> this was not some kind of sly thing. No, no, no. Like, like once he gave me the passage, I read this and I was like, hey, <laughs> you know, like, like no. But this was—it just happens since that we would come upon these scriptures while they're gone so that we could talk about this and so that when they come back we can honor them well because they have led well for years and years and years and you can see that in the fruit of this church in y'all you can see the fruit of their labor in all of you here and I want to tell you that as someone who's been here for a year it is awesome to see that that was one of the first things I noticed that first green flag was wow what a church they have been led well. And that's just amazing. So what can we do with that? I want you guys to think of a pastor or an elder in your life, it could be here at Westgator. it could be someone in your life that has made an impact, and maybe write them a letter of encouragement saying you're praying with them, you're following after them, maybe send him a text, maybe give him a call, say hey I'm praying for you, I want to encourage you, I'm following after you as you lead us in a church, Write that to them. I wanna challenge all of you to do that. Raymond needs to come to me and say, hey, I got 100 calls, (laughs) You you know, 100 texts, encouraging and loving him because he has led well and let's give him the honor he is due by continuing to follow him in the ways that he leads us as a church. And there may be some of you today, this is your first time to come to church or you may have been here for 80 years, but you have yet to profess faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Let me know that, that God loves you, He adores you, so much that we see in John three sixteen. He gave His Son to die for you. He says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Maybe that's you today, you haven't made that step of placing faith and trust in Christ and who He is as Lord and also what He's done for us on the cross. He took the punishment that we deserved. Maybe that's you today. Make that step today. I'll be over after we do the Lord's Supper at the cross, be at the cross. If you want to talk about that or if you want to contact Raymond or Jeff or Warren afterwards, come in by the week, text or call us. We would love nothing more than to talk to you about what it means to come to faith. Let me pray for us as we go to our time in the Lord's Supper. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word, Lord. Father, I pray if there is someone here who has not made a decision to follow you, to make you Lord of their life, Lord, I pray that you would just do so, that they would come to you, Lord place their trust and faith in you. I pray, Father, you would help us as a church, as Wetskate Memorial Baptist Church, to honor our elders and the leaders of our church, that we would follow after them as you lead them. Help us just to strive to do that. Help us to encourage them, to love them, to protect them, to follow after them. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, deacons, if you could kind of make your way up here, we're going to transition to our time in the Lord's Supper, and if y'all could just begin handing out the elements. And for the, the rest of us, um, we just encourage you that if you, to partake in this, we ask that if you are of like minds and like faith, um, that if you have professed faith in Jesus, have been baptized in Christ, we ask that we, you don't have to be a member here, but we ask that you have at least taken those steps um, to join with us during this Lord's Supper. And a reminder that, that the crackers and the juice, they, they don't have any special qualities. I mean, they do, but they, they don't equal salvation. They represent, what equals salvation, and that is the blood of Christ that was spilt and the body that he had that was broken on the cross. So today I would ask you guys to spend some time in prayer. Maybe you need to spend some time praising Jesus, praising him for who he is and what he's done, for the blood that he spilt for our sake. For the body that was broken for our sake. Maybe you have some sin that you need to work on, confessing it before Him, getting right with the Lord before you partake. Spend some time in prayer now. to read this scripture it says for as often as you eat this this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the lord let a person examine himself in this way let him eat the bread and drink from the cup continue examining yourself continue spending time with the lord Please join me in prayer Heavenly Father I'm so thankful Lord that you've made uh, an opportunity for us to come to this table Lord father that that even though we are not worthy Lord that you you deem us worthy through your sacrifice of your son Jesus Christ Lord God I just confess to you the ways that I failed you this week Lord and that I uh, look to your grace to to restore me father so as we participate in this Lord help us to be mindful Lord that uh, of who we serve Lord, and, and look for opportunities to serve those around us, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 24, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in first Corinthians eleven, twenty-five it says, I the same way also in the same way also he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful, Father, for the Son that you sent to die in our place. Lord, we just pray that we would remember today the blood and the body that was broken for us. Help us, Father, to, to lean into your grace and the mercy that you give us through that. And let us not let it pass by so easily. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Let's all stand together. And as Stephen heads to the cross and deacons take their place at the back of each of the rows, let's take some time to make a decision for Christ if you need to. Go to them in prayer and and just seek seek godly counsel from them as we continue with our last song this morning. Yes, you. Bless you. Have a great one.